This is Tasting Together. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Happy Saturday, everyone, and welcome to Tasting Together on 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Maroki Tong, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Andre Pru. How's it going? Who I believe is a brand new father. I'm so tired. It's it's a level of tired I just, I, I cannot comprehend. I've spent 20 years in newsrooms at radio stations and you work all hours of the day and night. I'm, nothing can prepare you for this. Well, I still believe that there is a superpower that every parents get shortly after the baby's born, where somehow for the next like 10 years, they never sleep again, but are always energetic. So I hope that superpower gets unlocked for you very soon. Oh, God, I hope so. I really <laughs> do. Ah. Uh. I know that you're in the middle of dry January as well, Andre. Um, are you feeling the temptation now that there's a little wee one in your life? Um, I'll be honest. Dry January is going quite well. Um, it's actually something I, I'm enjoying this year more than other years. But I mean, partly when you're worried about another brand new baby, you don't really have time to think about opening a great bottle of wine or opening up a nice beer with your meal. You're really just focused on survival. <laughs> it's full on base instincts but i did manage to sneak away from the baby um this past weekend just for a few minutes to check out an event from a company called clear sips and they were hosting a tasting clear sips is a wine agency i know we've talked a little bit about this on the show in the past about how they work but they're the people who help get products on the shelves of the lcbo but it's an agency dedicated to zero alcohol products and they had wines and zero alcohol spirits at the tasting um and I have some thoughts on this, but this is something we're going to un- kind of unpack as the month goes on. There were some interesting zero alcohol wines um, that I have thoughts on. So that's something we'll, we'll unpack, I think, in upcoming week. Because I've been procuring some zero alcohol wines to taste with you and to taste with Danny Longo that we usually talk about drinks in segment four of the show. But I did have an interesting uh, conversation with the founder, David Thompson, about who's buying zero alcohol spirits and wines these days. My customers are um, this whole sober, curious community, people who are um, questioning their relationship with alcohol, and maybe for the first time, and maybe have been questioning it for a number of years and have, have you know, found it difficult to, you know, to take it out of their lives. So th- those are my customers. I have a lot of customers who, for health reasons, you know, have been told by their physician not to, you know, not to drink anymore. Um, I have lots of customers who, um, you know, who are, who are younger, who never drank as much as my generation drank and who are, you know, very open-minded and, and still socialize. My generation needed alcohol to socialize, or at least it was part and parcel of that experience. Whereas the younger people now, um, it's not the same, but they still love to go out and, and enjoy people, but they don't have the same need you know, for alcohol. I found it really interesting to hear what he said just about who is getting in there. But um, there's another part of the conversation that I didn't air where he talked about kind of social norms, how when you go to a party if, and you offer someone a drink and they say no, it's still not really taboo 
to ask them why they're not drinking. And I mean, that's something that's a bit of a rule in my house because I do have family members who can't drink for a variety of reasons. But if anyone shows up at, at my house for dinner and I offer them a glass of wine or a beer and they say no, I never ask them why they don't want one. I ask them what I can get them instead. And events like this are helping me find interesting products so we're not just doing the the child the child's menu as I referred to in last week's show. Mm-hmm. And I'm very fascinated by the generational element that he spoke about as totally. well. And I'm sure in the in the coming weeks, we'll continue unpacking what dry January is and what kind of being sober, sober, curious lifestyle is. I'm, I'm very um, excited to see how it, this conversation unfolds. But one of the things he was talking about, too, was, you know, our, our exploration with our bodies and in health. And given that it is, you know, 2023, the start of 2023, we are all exploring our New Year's resolutions. And I know there's always ties around eating and food when it comes to that. Um, One thing I have noticed in the last few years is that, you know, we are trending away from New Year's resolution that kind of really enforces diet culture. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, it's New Year's, eat less, go to the gym. And I think it's perhaps, you know, I think it's healthy. Like, I think it's, you know, thank goodness we aren't just telling people, oh, you know, um, you should, I don't know, achieve the body that you want i think there's a lot of changes with regards to how we look at our body's body image and stuff like that um but i I think think there's i I think even even Mm -hmm. even going beyond just standing in front of the mirror and the hitting the gym you know i think there's a larger conversation to be had about certain things like the definition of comfort food and that when you think about comfort like if if you say comfort food to me maroki i immediately think of you know, deep fried, cheesy, saucy, fatty goodness, right? I don't think of a delicious, well-structured kale salad. And I, I think that's that's an, another part of the conversation. Like, it's not just the hitting the gym. It's just the whole relationship that society and people have with food in general. Well, and one thing I've noticed is that there's a lot more resolutions that kind of focus on our health in a more holistic way. So it's mm-hmm. about wellness, finding better balance and i think a lot of that includes food and our relationship with food in some ways so you know when you talk about um comfort food per se uh, i think one of the you know conversations and you know for 2023 i was kind of looking up what were the kind of hottest hits of 2023 resolutions and one of them you know was saying to you know eat and exercise for your health not to get skinny so just being a little bit more considerate of the long-term impact on our bodies or, you know, what finding better balance is and finding better balance could be everything from, you know, not burning the midnight oil, not burning the candle on both ends, but also maybe filling your body with something more nourishing, understanding that if you do that, you could, you know, um, enter your daily life with more energy. There was a girl I, I actually saw on Twitter, a colleague of mine, she wrote this thing that said, I was today years old when I realized that the only water I drink is the glass before I go to bed. Mm. Maybe that is a sign for my midday slump. And I was like, yeah. you think? <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things that we hear all the time, but it's it's really hard to sort of establish those habits. And I mean, this is a topic I, I really like to talk about. Mindful and something you and I have talked about a lot, like well before we started the the radio show, because when you and I first met, I was a very large dude. Um... And I was in the middle of re-evaluating uh, my relationship with food. And you use the word balance. And I think the word balance is very important. I think that's why New Year's resolutions are so hard to stick to is a lot of people swing really hard to 
one side, you know, you go really hard on either the calorie counting or intermittent fasting or whatever new fad works for you. And, and don't get me wrong. A lot of those um, diets, when you start them up, will have very good effects. And I'm still trying to find that balance in my life. I've put some of the weight on that I've, I've lost. I think at my lowest, I lost close to a hundred pounds. And now I've put probably 30 or 40 back on, which means I'm still a lot healthier than I was, but I know that I could be healthier. It's just as much as I, I, I learned to fall in love with, with vegetables. And that's something we've talked about in previous shows as well about how I do enjoy cooking vegan. I do enjoy cooking vegetarian and just finding more moderation in, in my life. It's just I'm still going to want to make that fried chicken or make that pizza once in a while. It's just about finding balance. And, you know, I think if there's anything I can say to people who are are trying to stick to those New Year's resolutions is if it involves an extreme on one end or the other, pull it back and find a way to just moderate it. Really sound advice, Andre. And, you know, if your New Year's resolutions isn't necessarily about um, I don't know, in some ways, what I call restrictive style resolutions, but more about exploration. Like I said, finding happiness and wellness and discovering yes. new things. That's part of a New Year's resolution too. And and coming up after the break, we're going to be sharing Lunar New Year festivities with everyone, something that you might not have necessarily celebrated before, but get a chance because it's going to be delicious. I'm looking forward, Maroki, to hearing what our next guest has to say, what you have to say about how to hop onto this great holiday because if there's an excuse to eat some delicious food that you haven't tried before it's definitely a lot of fun to do it around holidays that you may not have experienced so stick around we're going to be back after the break on 640 toronto welcome back to tasting together toronto's news today's talk 640 toronto Welcome back to Tasting Together on 640 Toronto. And I am really looking forward to this segment. I know we've talked in the past, especially since we launched this show in the peak turkey season, how you talked about how you don't have a ton of experience, Maroki, with the whole turkey spread. And that's something you really look forward to. One of my favorite things as a white dude who grew up in Saskatchewan that I look forward to. And one of the things I love about having moved to Toronto is celebrating the Lunar New Year. And um, I have some small memories in Saskatchewan, some of my friends sharing some of the other celebrations, but the food situation was never a huge part of it. I know I love the lion dance for um, Tet, the Vietnamese celebrations of the Lunar New Year. But I know you've, you've brought on one of my favorite chefs, in the city and there's a good reason for that what are we doing Maroki? well we're very very excited to be joined by <coughs> chef nick liu who's the chef owner of dilo and a judge on food network canada's wall of chefs hi nick thanks for joining us hi thanks for having me i am super fascinated with the name dilo because i've only ever heard that term ever get used in argument with people when like men are just like screaming like and being like, <laughs> and then when I was reading the description on your website, it was, you were talking about it being a term of endearment or respect. And I was like, I feel like even as Chinese people, suddenly we have two very different experiences with that name. <laughs> yeah, I think you have like the old experience and the kind of like newer, younger experience where it's become more of a slang. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, it, like in my parents, like the way my parents look at like the word Dilo, it's like a very, you know, kind of, like my dad used to call his boss Dilo, you know, and it's a, it's just a term of that you use for anyone that is like 
you have a lot of respect for and someone that you have a lot of admiration for. Um, and then I think, you know, like younger people, just because of like slang and movies and stuff, you know, um, it's, uh, it has this kind of cognition of, of being a, a big boss, you know, or, <laughs> or bro, or, you know, it's, it's kind of cool how things kind of change and, and, uh, how, how language even through, through time, <laughs> uh, kind of changes. It's, it, it's, uh, I find it really interesting. It's cool when you can, when you can take ownership of something and just how things evolve a hundred percent. Nick, we had in one of our previous segments of Tasting Together, Andre and I got on to talk about preconceived notions of food and food pairings. And I was, you know, telling him how I love eating peanut butter and kimchi sandwiches and how <laughs> often my friends found that an odd thing. And I know at Dilo, um, the cuisine that you described that you make there is coined New Asian cuisine. And I think it's described as Chinese cuisine with French sensibilities and what inspired you to move in that direction versus just, you know, like say Chinese food in its purest context? Well, I think for the most part, you know, I, I consider myself like a new Asian. Um, so, you know, like I, I don't come from the old guard of Asian um, culture or Asian cuisine. Um, and also I was, you know, I was trained as a French chef, you know, even though I was cooking Asian food since a little child, um, I never really had the confidence to, to actually you know, take that on as, you know, as my personality. Um, you know, I think growing up in Canada, my personality, my personality first was being Canadian. Um, I only really kind of learned my culture through food later on in my life and, and really kind of took it on as, you know, as, as my identity. Um, I think growing up as a Canadian kid, you're very confused sometimes. Uh, confused how? Um, well, you know, like, confused in the sense of you know like you're I, I didn't I wasn't brought up with a, a, a massive like a massive Asian culture I, I was brought up with you know like a lot of I was brought up like with half Asian culture and half Canadian culture I mean going to school and everything you want to be you know like you just want to be identified as as a Canadian kid um, so I think a lot of times when you're younger you kind of ignore that side of yourself. I think until you start getting older and start kind of realizing and wanting to know what your background is and where you came from is where, you know, my cuisine and also like, you know, like my, my stance on who I am as an individual, you know, started to change. I resonate with that extremely deeply. Um, I'm Canadian born, but my parents immigrated to Canada in the 70s. And I definitely remember rejecting a very specific part of myself growing up um, through a lot of experiences and desire to fit in i definitely remember exactly. once trying to peel open a like a lotus leaf wrapped sticky rice outside at camp <laughs> and my and my hands are getting so sticky and it's sticking in the grass and i'm like how am i going to freaking eat this dish and everyone's staring at you and you're like yes i get it. it's not a sandwich okay <laughs> what do you want yeah and you know um, the kids are looking at you and they're like going like gross what is that like why are you eating that and you feel embarrassed. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, to save some of your kind of like embarrassment, you know, like you go home and you ask for like a peanut butter jelly sandwich. And it's like, you know, when you're that age, it's like, yeah, it's fine. But you never realize you're surrounded by such delicious food. Yeah. Right? You just really mm -hmm. wanted to fit in. Yeah, it took me studying in Northern Ireland to really understand the desert of <laughs> the lack of uh, Asian cuisine there. I think the next question I have is... <clears throat> We, we've seen basically the, the rise of all sorts of Asian cuisine in Toronto. And even in the time I moved there in 2007, and I don't remember seeing a single ramen shop there. And now you can see them <laughs> virtually everywhere. Um, and 
I, I know we're still just seeing the the rise, like this massive rise of of Chinese cuisine and Asian cuisine in North America and in uh, cities and in places that I guess at one point were largely more white, for lack of a better better term. Uh, what do you see as the future of how cuisine is going to continue to evolve in North America with these Asian influences? I think, you know, I think the, the cuisine is just going to keep evolving, you know, as, as, you know, diners get more educated and even more uh, curious about uh, other cuisines and they travel more and they have had all these experiences and now they can get some of the, these experiences, you know, where they live you know, they kind of source out these things. And, um, and, and you know, with the education of, of people and the knowledge of, of, uh, of what people want to eat and even what's, you know, like what's kind of trendy versus, you know, what's traditional. Um, I think you even see it in a lot of new restaurants that open, you know, like Mimi's Chinese. Um, you know, these are, this is, you know, uh, Dave Schwartz is a, uh, um, who's a Jewish guy and he's creating some of the most beautiful you know, traditional Asian food in Toronto as well. Um, and this is all, this is all comes from, you know, from places that he's worked, experiences that he's had, places that he's traveled. Um, and he gets to introduce that to, you know, his uh, clientele and his, his uh, you know, his scope of, of, of people that, that uh, enjoy his food. That's and even so a great. And even a different age group, right? That's so great. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that Mimi's was started by by a Jewish fellow. I, I, yeah. I that's just when you see like the beautiful crossroads of culture coming together, and that actually brings me a lot of joy. Well, um, Nick, just coming up to the end of the segment here, since we're co- going in a full circle, Lunar New Year's coming up. Oh, I want to hijack this a- question. I want to hijack this question, <laughs> Roki. I know we have a di- we have a different question. We have a different question written, but it's just like fusion and sharing like your culture uh, through cuisine is obviously a big part of what you've done and a big part of Dilo. If you are new to Lunar New Year and and this is just like where is the starting point? Like what would you recommend as the I, I want to celebrate Lunar New Year as someone who's never experienced it. Where do I start? What and, and we're at the end of the interview, so we got to keep this brief. So 60 seconds if you can. Okay, definitely, definitely do a Chinese banquet, uh, New Year's menu. Um, that is the best way to experience the whole food and bring like all your family with, because that's what I experienced when I was younger, uh, you know, growing up for Chinese New Year. Great, you did it in less than sixty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, we really appreciate your time, Nick, for joining us. And if you are in the GTA, make sure you check out Dai Lo on College Street, and be sure to you know visit the website or follow Nick um, or Dai Lo on social media for anything cool that's coming up. Awesome! Thank you for having me, guys. Great chatting. If you have never done it, the Chinese banquet meal is something I highly recommend, and that's something I've done like five, six years in a row prior to the pandemic. The food is so delicious, and if your experience with Chinese food is sort of the traditional Canadian Chinese food, it's a great way to get out of the box, and I guarantee you'll find some delicious dishes you've never tasted before. And if you're looking for a way to stock your kitchens with delicious Lunar New Year goodies, we're going to be joined by Jean Chai of Kiss My Pans after the break. And we will talk a lot more about all the New Year celebrations, the traditions, and what to buy so that you too can have your own banquet. So stick around. We'll be back on 640 Toronto. You're listening to Tasting Together. Toronto's News. Today's Talk. 640 Toronto. 
Welcome back to Tasting Together on 640 Toronto. I'm Maroki Tong with Andre Pru, and we are that's me. And we are eyeballs deep in all things Lunar New Year. Um, we just finished chatting with Chef Nick Liu, and one of the things we talked about was just sort of you know integrating different cultures into cuisine and especially Asian cuisine. And I think there's going to be a no better expert about to join us, Jean Chai, who is the co-founder of Kiss My Pants on College Street. Hey, Jean, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I am so fascinated with your business model. And that's why I was talking about integrating different cultures because you have a cheese shop and you do these amazing cheese and charcuterie plates. And then there's also food combos that you introduce to people that people wouldn't normally consider. Like I remember seeing a salted egg spread, uh, Malaysian beef jerky. How do you kind of find those intersections when it comes to creating that cheese shop and the charcuterie boards for your clients? Like, is this something that you like to just throw at them or, you know, people come and you introduce it to them? How do you approach all of this? So Kiss My Pants really came about as an accident. <laughs> we started this cheese shop about a year and a half ago, just selling cheese. And my husband, um, David, he's the other co-founder. He loves Gopi from Singapore. Um, we were living there for 12 years and he would just drink three to four cups a day. Um, and we moved back here in 2020. And he was like, you know what? I can't find quality coffee here i want to bring in gopi so uh, the cheese shop started selling cheese and Singa singaporean gopi and um, over the summer we were actually invited to be a part of smorgasburg selling singaporean kuei and gopi so for the uninitiated singaporean kuei basically um, are snacks that could be sweet or savory so uh, we had never made way up to that point. But I guess, you know, um, the stars were aligned and we're like, okay, we're a game to do this. And uh, while at the festival, that's when we found out that people were actually interested in Singaporean food or people who knew about it were craving it. And there just wasn't anyone who offered it. I, I find that really fascinating because it's one of these things where I, I, I will plead ignorance if someone said to me, what is a Singaporean dish like i know um in on most chinese food and, and we're just talking your basic small town canada chinese food restaurant they all have singapore noodles on the menu i'm guessing that's not necessarily an authentic um i guess reflection of what would be singaporean cuisine so if you were to go to singapore right now you get off the plane and the first thing you ask for is singapore noodles no one would know what the heck you were talking about. Okay. <laughs> Such a dish does not exist in Singapore. Um, <laughs> that definitely sounds like one of those Chinese-Canadian cuisines that was developed um, very uniquely in Canada over our history here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. And, and, and a follow-up question I have off the topic of what is Singaporean cuisine is with kopi. I know that I've been, my mea culpa on, on this show is that I am not a coffee drinker. But what makes this so special that your 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 partner is drinking three cups a day? So, shockingly, I'm not a coffee drinker either. It gives me the shakes, and Singapore Kopi actually has double the caffeine of a regular coffee. Oh boy! And, uh, <laughs> and he gets a kick out of this. It has zero effect on him. And uh, basically, Singaporean Kopi is a rich, flavorful, and highly caffeinated coffee. Um, it's made with 
robusta beans that have been roasted in butter, sugar, and salt until they caramelize. So it releases like a really nice aroma and flavor. And um, what's special also about the way we brew Singapore Kopi is that they are brewed the traditional way with a cotton coffee sock and by pouring it back and forth in brewing vessels um, just to kind of aerate and froth it. So there's no fancy machine. Um, there's only David who makes it and he's the machine. So uh, and and then he um, sweetens it with condensed and evaporated milk. So it actually gives you like a very rich and delicious cup. And um, we introduced it to people in Toronto and they've been loving it so far. I'll have to try that. Maybe that will be the thing that converts me to being a coffee drinker. Yeah. And it's, and with David being the machine, it's like when they say you put love into your dish, that is a lot of love that you're putting into the coffee there. Jean, I know you see you are a huge fan of Lunar New Year. If looking at your socials and seeing the goodies that you're, you're bringing to the shop, um, my mouth has been watering from a distance and I want to eat all the things. What are some of your favorite Lunar New Year traditions or memories? So as an adult, um, we used to live in Singapore for 12 years. And during those 12 years, I was always the one in charge of hosting Lunar New Year reunion dinners, um, which falls on the eve of the Lunar New Year. So um, the family gets together. I prepare a whole bunch of dishes and uh, we'll get together for dinner. After dinner, all my relatives would come over and we would typically have an experience called Yishan. And um, it is also known as a prosperity slaw. Um, it originated in Singapore and um, the, the, the tossing of this Yishan is one of our favorite traditions. Um, so every ingredient in this prosperity slaw is symbolic of something within the Chinese culture. Um, it could mean good luck, prosperity, good, good health, love, um, and wealth for the rest of the year. So it is believed that when everybody gets together to toss this yushan, uh, the higher you toss it, the more luck you get. So it is a very loud, messy, fun and boisterous activity. So, and it's also quite common to find bits of Yishan on the ceiling, the walls, <laughs> in your hair, clothes after. Okay, You've, you, 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 said, you, you said that the, everything that goes in this law represents something. And it's about, it's called prosperity law. So I'm, I'm hoping it brings prosperity. What what goes in it? What what does it taste like? What are the what are the ingredients and how do I make it? Because I could use some prosperity in 2023. <laughs> so we've got things like um, fish in there. And um, fish, when you put in the when you add in fish to that salad during the whole experience, um, you're supposed to shout out a blessing that says Nian Nian Yu in Mandarin and um, in English it translates to abundance throughout the year um, and um, when you add honey for example as a dressing to this salad you say tian tian mi mi which means um, sweetness and um, smooth sailing throughout all your relations relationships so it could be relationships with your spouse with your friends with your business partners so 
all relationships in general. So every ingredient that you throw in there means something. What I love hearing about this, Jean, is the fact that I'm Chinese and and you're Chinese, we still have these stories and and traditions that are unique and like different. Like I'm hearing about Yishun for the very first time from you, and there's just always something new to discover, even as you know people with kind of quote unquote the in the broadest scope from the same culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love hearing about that. What would you recommend to someone who is brand new to Asian treats? Like I've seen on your socials, you ha- and I, I said earlier, you have so many delicious goodies that are available right now. What would you recommend if someone's saying, I want to celebrate Chinese New Year, I'm ready for some you know, prosperity goodies or just deliciousness. I'm ready to eat, lay it on me. What can I be interested in? Well, I guess without a doubt, the best part about Lunar New Year are the food and the snacks, right? And there are just so many items available that's only available during this time. Um, and um, I don't think there are a lot of places within Toronto that sells Yishan. Um, and this year, we've actually decided that, hey, we want to introduce this to everyone. Um, I did one about two weeks ago and shared it with some friends and it was posted on social media and it was so much fun. So we wanted to showcase um, the whole experience to people so that they may also be interested and, and want to find out more and, um, and order it so that they can experience it with their family and friends. I love that. Um, that is absolutely wonderful. Jean, thank you so much for joining us. And if you're looking to check out Kiss My Pans, make sure to find them on socials, visit their website, and go take a visit to them on College Street just in time for Lunar New Year. Thank you so much, Miroki. It's been such a pleasure to discuss what's close to our hearts and our stomachs. We would love for everyone to come and try out the Singaporean stuff that we put out here, as well as lots of the uh, lots of different cheeses available here. Great. Thank you so much, Jean. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Coming up after the break, we are sitting down with Danny Longo. And even though I'm doing dry January, we are going to head up the highway and cool off a little bit as we unpack the glory that is ice wine. That is coming up on 640 Toronto. You're listening to Tasting Together. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Tasting Together. I'm your host, Andre Pru. I'm joined by my co-host, Maroki Tong. And it is that time of the show when we take a look at what is happening in the world of beverage. It's been an interesting winter so far, Maroki. Have you felt like it's been, oh wait, you've been somewhere hot virtually the entire winter. It's totally true. I have only watched uh, about the snowstorms from afar. Um, but very fascinated with them, given that I know the harvest for ice wine happened quite early this year. Yes, it's that time of year where the moment the mercury hits minus 8 degrees Celsius, the harvest teams at the wineries of Niagara rush out to pull in the bounty and make this delicious product that the Canadian wine industry is well known for. And we are joined by the Global Newsroom's Danny Longo, where he's done some investigating on this for us about what exactly is happening in Niagara right now. 
Niagara's Ice Wine Festival is an annual tradition for some and offers three weekends of incredible wine and culinary events. After a couple years of virtual or toned-down events, this year it's back at full steam with a full slate ready for wine lovers to take in. Director of PR for the Winemaking Association of Ontario, Magdalena Kaiser, says they're excited to be back at full strength. We are really back to uh, pre-pandemic, which is super exciting. So we have a full calendar of events planned over the three weekends. Kaiser says the festival is already underway and it continues for the next three weekends. There are really a group of different celebrations throughout the region, which is a huge opportunity for visitors and locals, actually, to visit and experience ice wine like really nowhere else in the world. There are plenty of different ways to take in the festival that match your chosen style. It kicks off in earnest Saturday night at the Coolas Ice Gala, and that takes place at one of Niagara's newest attractions. It's actually at a new location in Niagara Falls at the uh, power station with an amazing opportunity to actually have stunning views of Niagara Falls and also from the tunnel 180 feet below ground, which is a new a new thing. The Coolas Ice event offers an all-inclusive experience with a selection of ice wine, cocktails, and mocktail tastings, along with local culinary stations. If you prefer to visit the wineries yourself and learn about the ice wine making process, there's the Discovery Pass program. Each pass includes six ice wine and culinary experiences at over 20 participating wineries. And there's way too many to list, but some of the food pairings include ice wine poutine with Riesling ice wine, Thai chili chicken sliders with a Vidal ice wine, or Thai curry squash soup with cilantro oil paired with a Cab Sauv ice wine. Now, most wineries also offer a vegetarian and non-alcoholic option. Whatever your palate, you're sure to find your perfect pairing. The food pairings are, uh, are a huge opportunity to taste savory, sweet, and spicy kind of uh, around those three themes because ice wine has a natural acidity that is bright and allows you to pair with food differently than you would expect. If you prefer to try tastings all in one place, there's the Niagara on the Lake Ice Wine Festival over two weekends, beginning on Friday, January 20th, with the Sparkle and Ice Gala. Magdalena Kaiser says that includes the Niagara Ice Wine Cocktail Competition on the evening of January 28th. Ice wine is a premium product that is a dessert wine, uh, but it certainly can be uh, experienced in different ways with different foods. But it also is an amazing ingredient for premium cocktails. So the gala this year will have a whole cocktail station, which is super exciting. And while you may not think ice wine's for you, Kaiser says it's a perfect opportunity to try it in many different ways. So you're going to be meeting with the producers and people that can help educate you on it, have samples that you can taste. There's also different types of ice wine. You have different varieties, just like in red and white wine. Organizers are excited to be back with a full slate of events, and individual wineries also organize their own experiences for festival goers to enjoy some winter fun. This year, wineries are also excited to welcome back our friends from south of the border now that restrictions have been lifted. The Ice Wine Festival celebrations have traditionally had tens of thousands of visitors every year over, over January, and many of them actually from the U.S many who come back every year just for Ice Wine Festival because they're so excited about how unique it is and how how fun and different it is. For a full calendar of events during the Ice Wine Festival, you can head to NiagaraWineFestival.com. Danny Longo, Global News. I am enjoying the fact that we are bringing more love back to Ice Wine. We've talked about it over the last few weeks and with this festival coming up. Danny, I feel like you're a consummate expert on the Ice Wine Festival. Are you you planning on attending this year? 
I am going to attend this year. Yeah, this is something on my calendar every year. I get to go, and I'm uh, yeah, I'm a fan of the Discovery Passes. I like going to the wineries themselves and experiencing uh, the food and wine pairings that they have there. And you know, everyone has their own tastes, so you know, you can always find something. You know, if you don't like, uh, if say you don't like seafood, you know, well, okay, I'm not going to go to the place that has shrimp, which sounds crazy. <laughs> but I don't like shrimp. My uh, my spouse is, uh, has an allergy. So, you know, there's certain things you can avoid. If you like a, a Riesling over a Vidal or whatever, you know, you can, you know, kind of look at the menu and choose where you want to go. You know, my favorite thing about festivals like this where you're unpacking the food pairings is it's just something I've been saying as a mantra um, as a wine journalist for a very long time is just that people don't know how to properly serve ice wine. And I think... Um, the name dessert wine has implied that people should be serving this at the end of the meal and getting that sweet on sweet is a challenge. So even listening to you unpack this with, with Magdalena about, uh, all the savory and spicy options is just like, if you're one of these people where you've had a bad experience with ice wine in the past, where it's just like, oh my God, it's so sweet. And don't get me wrong. It is sweet. But when you can find that right marriage to really bring out the amazing pairings and texture of the wine it really is transcendent. And this festival is a reason to go and revisit ice wine. And there was also um, so many different ways to try the ice wine. Some people cook with it. They'll put it in a chili or they'll put it in a, you know, a sauce that they have on the side or a coolie or something like that. And then, you know, one of the cooler things uh, Magdalena shared was, and I've never tried one, but they have ice wine cocktails where you basically will replace a liqueur with an ice wine and make a cocktail, which sounds delicious. I super enjoy the idea of ice wine going into cocktails simply in that it shows its versatility and hearing you talk about cooking with it as well. And actually, the more I was listening to the report, I was thinking to myself, maybe we've been looking at this all wrong. Maybe oh. ice wine is actually one of the most versatile wines out there and that it seemed to be able to pair with everything from sweet food to spicy food to savory food, stands up to the strong flavors. We can cook with it, make into cocktails. It's not actually something we can pigeonhole do just being like sweet wine. It's actually the wine that pairs with everything. That's an interesting point. I mean, it is even if it is a wine that can pair with anything, though, it is definitely one of the more divisive wines on the on the market. And I mean, that's something we've unpacked before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Danny, I don't suppose the discovery pass when it comes to, you know, understanding ice wine and speaking to producers includes standing out in the middle of the vines at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. to experience just how intense the process is when it comes to harvesting ice wine grapes. No, the discovery passes do not include that. I believe most of the wineries close their doors at about 5, 5 p.m. So, Well, I mean, this is okay. So this is a bit of a, a, a secret is if you really, really, really love ice wine and you know that your favorite producer makes it, if you ask nicely, sometimes they look for volunteers or labor to help them do the harvest. The thing that most people don't think about is the moment it hits minus eight, it's usually a mad dash to get out to the vineyards. It needs to be minus eight for you to harvest the fruit to make ice wine. That usually happens in the middle of the night, the first time it hits that temperature. And these farmers want to get those grapes off the vines before anything else happens to them. And they probably want to get inside and warm up as quickly as they can afterwards, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, but I, from what I've heard is that it often becomes an all-night experience, especially if you are the winemaker. Um, you usually are responsible for, you know, once it's off the vine, it needs to be taken to the crush pad and it needs to still be crushed when the temperatures are low. Yes. So, you know, in the morning, when, when 
the sun is beginning to peek out, you're sticky and you're cold, and at that point, you're very, very much ready to be in front of a fireplace. Yeah, and just as we wrap up the show here, one, one last point that I really like from the report and something we've sort of talked about here as well is um, cooking with ice wine is just a reminder that when you cook with wine, it will impart flavor to your food because it's still my biggest pet peeve, and I'm sure something we'll unpack at a later segment is... Um, I, it's my pet peeve when people will give you a bottle of wine that you don't enjoy and someone will say, oh, I'll just cook with it. And she's like, if you just told me that you didn't like the wine, why would you want to make your food taste like that? Yeah, that's completely fair. Um, well, that brings us to the end of Tasting Together for this Saturday. Um, next weekend, Danny, I think we're going to be diving headlong into, you know, we're going to be on the kind of, other side of the halfway point for dry january i'm forcing you guys to drink no alcohol wine with me that's what we're doing next week so tune in to 640 toronto next saturday at 5 p.m and we will unpack whether or not no alcohol wine actually tastes good and whether or not maroki and danny will be joining me for the rest of dry january thanks for joining us on 640 toronto on tasting together from andre danny and i we will see you next week bye